In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Tokenet Radio, Toki Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio, live on Toginet.com. Co-hosted by Tina Gonzalez and Sandra Back, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the resources that are available in both the public and private sector. And we'll be sharing helpful information from women around the world. We'll cover everything military, from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder, to navigating government programs dealing with family issues, to the struggles of deployment, along with being a working mother, both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio, and here are your hosts, Tina Gonzalez and Sandra Beck. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and we are here today for our post-motherhood show. Uh, Mother's Day was yesterday. And um, we have a little bit uh, different format today on motherhood. Um, we have two men. We have Doug Stapleton, who is a documentary film producer, who did the documentary Mother of Normandy. And then we have our segment producer, Rick Swanson. Hi, Rick. Hey, Sandra. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So we've got quite a bit of testosterone today on uh, <laughs> <laughs> Military Mom Talk Radio. How was your Mother's Day? I was pretty good. I spent it mainly with my... Grandpa, who just turned 80, wow. my uh, family from back east, so that's always a, a fun time. So. I bet that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, my Mother's Day, I was actually, um, I ended up taking kids from other families so their moms could work or have a break, and uh, it gave me that opportunity to, like, fulfill my dream of having a lot of kids, and well, i got to tell you, at 5 o'clock, I was so ready to give everybody back. I know, I remember you, you texted me, you like, ah, <laughs> craziness. And how many kids are in your family? I'm the eldest of six kids. Uh, six kids. So your mom did that tour of duty day in and day out. Day in and day out, yes. And she still does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to wish a happy Mother's Day to my mother, Gloria, to Rick's mom. Rick's, what's your mom's name? Karen. Karen. And we got Doug on the line here. Doug, what's your mom's name? Uh, her name is Ivy. And Ivy. Okay, so we're going to yep. say happy Mother's Day to not only our moms, but the other moms out there. And for those of you listening in who miss Tina, Tina will be joining us later in the show. She is an emergency child care provider for Camp Pendleton, and she just got some extra kids in today. So until she's able to um, get things under control over there, Rick has agreed to step in. We have such a great show today, Rick. Um, you are from a career military family, right? That is correct. I have Both of my grandfathers were in the military. One was in, my mom's dad was in the Air Force for 22-plus years. And was your dad military, too? My dad was not. His father was in the Army for about four years prior to him being born, but no, he's not, he's not military at all. He's not military. My no. dad was military. My dad was in the Navy, and he served in Korea, and um, my ex-father-in-law, who I'm very fond of, flew a P-38 in World War II. Wow. So, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. And um, it's such a perfect marriage, our topic today, because we have, um, you know, this outstanding, you know, documentary film, The Mother of Normandy, 
Um, we're so glad, Doug, to have you on today. It's just a perfect motherhood show for Military Mom Talk Radio. Can you tell us a little bit about your documentary? Sure. Um, yeah, it's called Mother of Normandy, the story of Simone Renault. And uh, Simone Renault was the wife of uh, Mayor Alexander Renault, who was the mayor of St. Mary Glise, which was the first French town liberated in the Normandy invasion. And uh, it's a story about um, uh, her and her husband taking care of the, of the, the soldiers that died in the Normandy invasion. Uh, they, they end up putting three temporary cemeteries in their, in their town, uh, and altogether there's about 15,000 American soldiers buried there. And uh, she, she, her husband actually got a few dozen letters from America when the first uh, Western Union telegrams started coming back home saying that your son or your husband has been killed in the war. And um, so a few dozen letters uh, first started coming just to attention the mayor, not even knowing his last name was Renault, just attention the mayor, St. Mary Gleason. And all the letters pretty much said the same thing. Um, you know, we're, we're told our son or my husband has been killed in the war and and if it's not asking too much, could you go to his grave for us and put some flowers on it and take a picture and send it back to us? And, and basically, the, the mayor uh, said to his wife, Simone, said, we must help these people. And, um, and she said, I will, I, will, I will do it. So she went and started finding the graves of, of the soldiers, of the letters of the, of the, from the families. And, and, and she uh, started uh, doing exactly that. And she would write a letter of comfort back to them. And then they would write a letter back to her. And there was this this correspondence has started happening with these few dozen um, families. And then in, in about a month or two later, uh, General Theodore Roosevelt Jr., who was the son of president from 19, 1905, uh, died of a heart attack, and he was buried in, in one of the cemeteries. I believe it was Cemetery Number 2. And Madame Renault was putting flowers on his grave, and a Life magazine photographer got a snapshot of it. And That's it that famous up- photograph that we see everywhere. Yes, it's, it's a famous photograph, and it came out in August 7th, 1944. And now it became uh, the people who had lost a, a, fa- a husband or a son or a brother put the two and two together because the caption said, this is you know, Simone Renault, wife of the mayor of St. Mary Gleason, and she's keeping General Theodore Roosevelt Jr.'s grave decked with flowers. And so now people knew that if their son or, like I said, a family member was buried in St. Mary Gleason, they with the connection that this lady puts flowers on the grave. So she got hundreds, if not thousands, of letters uh, coming to her, and she basically answered every one and did it, dedicated her life to doing it for the next 40 years. And she died in 1988, I believe, but her, her sons, her three sons, have continued to uh, be a, this link with the French and the Americans, and uh, it's still happening uh, today. Now, the, you've been there, and you've been to the, the cemetery. How many people are actually buried in the cemetery? Well, the the the, um, the cemeteries in Saint Mary Gleese were they were temporary cemeteries. So from 1944 to 1948, they were they were there, and then the War Department made a decision to exhume the bodies and to either have them sent back to America to the families. Uh, they would have a choice to have them sent back to their hometown or, or, or Arlington or wherever they were to be buried, or they could stay in Norman soil, but they were going to be moved about 30 kilometers. Uh, south of St. Mary Gleese, which is where the Omaha Beach Colville Cemetery is today. So a lot of the bodies, I think about 60% were sent back to America and about 40% stayed there. And in the Omaha Beach Cemetery today, there's about, I think, about 9,300, something like that, bodies buried there. Wow. 
So it's no so. small feat. You know, she were, you know she wasn't tending to, you know, because when you, you mentioned you're like, you know, grave number two, we're not talking about, you know, ten graves here. We're talking no. about lots and lots of, of soldiers buried there. Yeah, about ten times the population of the town was, was the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, about 15,000 in the town. Now, how did you how did you come across this story? I mean, you know, it's 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 a beautiful story, and it's and it's perfect, um, you know, for our Mother's Day show. But it's kind of a you know an obscure. It's a famous photograph. But how did you come How did you come to make this documentary? Well, I I, I came. I wasn't looking for it. I was actually over in Normandy um, back in I think two thousand three, which I think was the fifty ninth anniversary. And I was doing a project on some British World War II veterans that had landed there, and and I was uh, uh, filming them. And and while my cam- my main cameraman was coming acro- across the channel with them on the ferry, me and the other cameraman slash audio guy were over in Normandy a couple of days ahead of time. So I had said, let's go down to Saint Mary Glise, even though this was a project about you know British veterans. I said, since it's the 60th anniversary, let's let's talk to some of the American veterans and and, and uh, see why they come here every year to uh, to celebrate the anniversary. So <clears throat> we went down to St. Mary Glees. I knew the history. That's where, you know, the paratroopers landed and they came in at Utah Beach there and ended up meeting uh, Bill Tucker, who was an 82nd Airborne paratrooper who landed uh, about 200 yards out, outside the town in a field. And, and, and he had... Uh, uh, let me interview him the next day, and, and through that, I met Madame Renault's youngest son, Maurice, uh, while we were interviewing Bill, and w- what had happened is he saw the camera equipment, and he said, hey, Bill, what's going on uh, with the cameras? And he said, oh, these guys are doing a documentary on some British guys, but they wanted to interview me because I'm an American, you know, I was a veteran. And uh, so this guy sat, I didn't know who this guy was at the time, and he just sat down, and he said, let me tell you something. He put his arm around Bill and said, and we had the cameras rolling. We got all this on film. And he said, let me tell you something. We French people, we love the Americans. and We, we, love, uh, we love the veterans. And we'll never forget what they did for us to liberate us. And we uh, invite them back. Uh, they uh, can come back to our country and our town and to Normandy whenever they want. We love them. And we'll never forget what they did for us. And I said, wow. I said, that's great to hear. I said, now, what is, who are you? And Bill said, oh, this is Maurice Renault. His father was the mayor of the town during the invasion. And so that's how I first met Maurice, and then I asked Maurice uh, uh, some information, and he said, well, he was only two years old in 1944, so he said he had learned all about it from his brothers and his parents, but he said, you know, my brother, Henri Jean, who was 10 years old, is is standing behind you, because <laughs> we, were, we were at the museum that day, at the Airborne Museum, and we were outside in this uh, little plaza, plaza area, and so I went and introduced myself to Henri Jean, and and I asked him if I could interview him, and he told me that I could. So we went over by the pharmacy, which was where his his father was, the pharmacist of the town. And and we um, uh, uh, I got him with the pharmacy behind him, and, and he told me that he remembers. Uh, I said, what did you remember on, on D-Day morning? And he said, well, we remember the planes coming, and then we were kind of scared. And my father was out. There was a fire that was, you know, a house that was on fire that night. And he said, I remember uh, eventually we went to sleep, and then when we got up early in the morning, he said, I could remember seeing these little, could see little red dots in the church uh, plaza, and we, we didn't know what they were, were at first, and then we realized that they were um, uh, cigarettes, uh, 
the 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 tip of the cigarettes, and they figured, well, it couldn't be the Germans because they wouldn't smoke at night, to give away their positions. So they thought it was the British, and then as the light came up, they realized it was American GIs, and and that was his uh his. Then and then he got to go out that morning, and he said he can remember seeing some of the paratroopers, uh, you know, hanging in the trees and dead Germans and dead paratroopers, and that was quite a lot for a little. I can imagine. I can imagine. Doug, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're going to need to go to break in a minute. We are right. here with documentary film producer Doug Stapleton. His uh, website, if you want to check it out, is www.motherofnormandy.com. I'm also here with my temporary co-host, Rick Swanson. We'll see you guys back after the break. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system, keeping the home fires burning? That's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Tina Gonzalez. And we'll be right back after these. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriended Principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, Girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. What's your story? Are you living it? Well, you could be. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Her passion is helping others discover, create, and live their personal brands. Yep, you heard me. You have a brand. No different than Coke, Pepsi, or Nike. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing brand. You're not a logo. You're not a tagline. The choices you make become the path you take. This is your brand. Now, live your story. Your brand is not just what you say it is. It's also what others say it is. So what are you communicating? And how can you create an authentic brand? We'll take on these challenges with What's Your Story? Every week, Hillary will feature teens, moms, and organizations that are learning and living their story. Now, her passion is to help others discover, create, and live their personal brands. To find out more, go to inspiredbyfamily.com. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now, let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Tina Gonzalez and Sandra Back. Hey, Military Moms. We have a great post-Mother's uh, Day show for you today. We have documentary film producer Doug Stebbleton. I'd welcome you to check out his website 
at www.motherofnormandy.com. And we have Tina back. Tina, we're so happy to have you on the show today. You had a little bit of trouble that you want to share it with us about why you couldn't make the first segment? Oh, yeah. I am a daycare provider um, on base, and we had a little uh, emergency thing with one of our moms on base, so I had to take her kids in for a little bit, but everything's good and everything's fixed, so I'm here now. That's so great. That's so great. How was your Mother's Day yesterday? Uh, it was really, really nice. It was relaxing. It turned. It was supposed to be a pretty day is what I thought, but it was ugly in the morning, so kind of ruined the whole beach thing that we were planning, but it was so nice. I got catered to all day. It was lovely. That's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to Rick. Rick, thank you for helping us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's always, Thanks, always fun to have somebody to talk <laughs> Hi, to when we open the show. And, Tina, you were missed. But it's okay. Rick was there. Thank you so much, Rick, for filling in. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. So, Tina, we have such a great guest today. We've got Doug Stubbleton of Mother of Normandy. And, uh, Doug, before we went to break, uh, I had to cut you off. Can you finish the story you were telling from the first yeah, segment about... I'll, I'll... Yeah, I'll briefly wrap it up. Basically, uh, as I said, I interviewed Henri Jean, and, and then he said something, um, and he said, yeah, he said, my mother and father were very committed to the, uh, to the, to the veterans, and they, um, they loved them. And, and, uh, and then he said, oh, he said, the letters I could show you. And I said, what letters? And he said, well, can you come to my house? And I said, sure. So we went to his house, which was, you know, a minute drive. And, um, and then as we drove in, uh, there was a gentleman in the parking lot talking to another man, and it ended up being his brother, Paul, who was 14 years old on D-Day. And I got a chance to talk to him a little and learn about his what he remembered. And then Henri Jean excuse me, um, brought me in his den and showed me this big uh, photo album of him and Bill Tucker, the, guy that I, the 82nd Airborne guy that I had met. And he had told me that they had been friends since the late 50s and uh, had continued to... Uh, travel over to Cape Cod to see him and their their kids knew each other and their grandkids and he said we have this link between the French and Americans that we will keep going for you know they hope it goes along goes on forever um and then in that uh meeting uh, he showed me a, a book uh, he had about 10 little uh, books or three ring binder books with American flags on them and I said out of everything in your office I said what's the most important thing to you and he pulled out one of these binder books and it was a book that had all these uh, letters in it and pictures of GIs and stuff, and I said, I said, who are these? He said, these were from my, um, these were, these are my mothers and my fathers. And I asked why, and then he told me the whole story about the cemeteries being there and the letters that first came in, and how his mother, uh, you know, responded to them, and then, and then the Life magazine photo, and 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 that's when I realized, wow, this is a whole, this is a whole other story, and that's how I uh, decided to make it into a documentary when I found out about it. That's so amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think of Mother's Day and, and you know, your the title of your project, Mother of Normandy, you know, truly that's you know, it's such a loving um it's such a loving thing to do, it's such an outstanding thing to do and it's some something that you know, I don't know of anything else done like that anywhere in the world. Um, I don't know. I you know, I it could be done in some other countries, but I, I don't know. I just know that this was a story that had uh, it w- was known a little in the in the in the you know in the military community through the years, but not on a wide global basis, and that's what we're hoping to do now with the film, and to uh, to show how one person can really make a difference in other people's lives. Well, and you're making a difference, um, you know, with what you're doing, and you know what's interesting is you know I was looking at your biography here. You know, you have a background in music. You're from Montana. Can you give our listeners 
uh, an idea about, you know, kind of who Doug Stevelton is, and, you know, um, you, you don't have a military background. No, I don't. I, um, my, my father was in the Navy, but he, he missed the war. Uh, he, 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 uh, he was too young to get in, and he spent uh, 1946 and 47 uh, over in the, the Pacific on a ship doing occupational you know, type services over in Japan. So, but my grandfather was in the military. So, but I've always just—I uh, remember going as a young kid. My dad was with the VFW and the American Legion and playing cards and stuff. So, I remember always going to, to visit him there, and I was just always uh, astounded by all the pictures on the wall of the veterans. So I've always had a love for the veterans, and that's uh, continued as I've gotten older. And and I just have this passion to to try to, you know, make films that that honor them and, and their sacrifices. So. That's uh, that's kind of my my background with my family, but I've never been in the service. No. Uh, well, so but you know, we all serve the military in different ways. You know, not everybody fights, not everybody serves. You know, on base or off base. There's so many you know military providers, both sure. you know in the public and private sectors that uh, you know make such a difference. That I look at yep. what you're doing, and you actually have a music background. Yeah, well, you, as you said, my background, I am from Montana. I'm from a little town called Glasgow, Montana, and I came out uh, to Hollywood in 1984, and I went to a music school called Musicians Institute because I was a guitar player. It was a one-year school, and I went there and learned a lot, and when I graduated, I made a decision to either, uh, I had a decision to make, either go back to the small town or stay here in uh, Los Angeles, and I really liked being here. And so I um, ended up getting a job at, as a valet parker at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which was a great job, and uh, while working there, I met a lady uh, who had a music publishing company, and she offered me an internship, and I, I took it, and I uh, interned for her uh, for about a year, and then I ended up getting offered a job, and I ended up working with her for about nine and a half years, and uh, that was a great experience, and then um, left there and went to a record label for about a year and a half, and then just decided to start my own company, which I did back in 1999, and uh, around 2004, uh, as a music publisher, I was my, my expertise was always music, getting songs in uh, TV shows and movies. So it was always music and film and TV. So the transition to become starting producing films was was a pretty easy transition for me, and and that's how I decided to start uh, to, to do some of these documentaries, and and that's kind of my my main focus now. That's amazing. You know, one of the things that that, you know, always, it never ceases to amaze me when we do, you know, what we're supposed to do. And I, you know, after having lunch with you and meeting you in person, I really feel that, you know, you're on path of doing what you're supposed to do because there's been so many times um, that things just fall into place. And, and we really don't think about, you know, serendipity or, you know, you know, things being divinely laid out for us. But there's been some really interesting things. It, it, the one that comes to mind, particularly from our conversation, was the one uh, about the place in, in Long Island. That yes. was just amazing how that all fell into place. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I can. That, that, that was definitely uh, not planned at all. Uh, basically, uh, Doug Soroff, who, who's a, friend, a good friend of mine, and at the time I'd only known him maybe a year, but he, he's a songwriter and um, lyricist and he'd written songs with another producer that a songwriter that I knew and I started getting his songs in some film and TV shows out here in, in LA and I was already about a year or into maybe just starting the, the Mother Normandy project I'd been we were still you know filming at the time and I was coming out to New York uh, to do some business and he had said hey well, well come out to Long Island and visit me and I'd love to have you hang out for a few days so I said great so I went to visit him 
uh, in Long Island at this little town called Locust Valley, which I'd never, I'd never been to Lo- Long Island. This is my first time. And his wife, Kathy Sorif, uh, we got along great, and she was a big history buff, so when she had wanted to find out what my documentary was about, I told her, and she loved it. She loved the idea of honoring the, the veterans and what Madame Renault did. And so when I got back um, to, to Los Angeles, I called Maurice uh, Renault, who, who was my kind of point guy. He's the youngest son of the Renaults, and he was the one that I've been working with the closely, closely, the closest with on the film. And he had said to me, um, so how are things going? And I said, oh, things are going good. I said, I just got back from uh, visiting a friend in, in, uh, in New York out on Long Island from this little town called Locust Valley. And there was dead silence on the, on the other end of the phone. And he said, Locust Valley? I said, yeah. I said, you, you've heard of that place? He goes, I know this town. And I said, really? I said, I, I didn't even know anything about it until I met my friend from there. And he goes, yeah, Locust Valley, Long Island. I said, well, what do you know about it? He goes, I know this town. He said, after the war, this town sent us all kinds of food and candy and medical supplies and things that we needed uh, to help rebuild our, our town. I said, really? And he said, yeah. And I said, um, I said, wow. I said, I got to tell Kathy Soroff this. She'll, she'll trip out. So I called Kathy and I told her and she had no idea about this. So she said, let me check with the uh, Historical Society and the, and the library. And, uh, and sure enough, she did. And she called me back and she said, Doug, you're right. She, or Maurice is right. She says, Back in 1947, a lady and, and an 82nd Airborne paratrooper guy who was in the war and landed in St. Mary Gris, uh started this thing called Operation Democracy, and it was a sister city program to help um, different cities get back uh, in Europe, get back on their feet after the war. And the reason they picked St. Mary Gris was, one, it was uh, the first town liberated, and two, General Theodore Roosevelt Jr. was buried there, and, 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 and Oyster Bay is a... They're, they're a uh, I guess it's called a hamlet of Oyster Bay. And so they picked it because he was from there. And uh, so we found this, this this connection between her town and my little town that I was doing my project about. And and it's it's part of the film now. And, it, and there's a whole, there's a whole, they, they actually, Operation Democracy has been rebirthed because of uh, me, me uh, knowing Doug and, and Kathy and, and Kay Winninger, who, who's also part of it. They've started a whole new... Um, a new thing to help other sister cities, and uh, they're going to do it, I think, over, over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And um, she also found a poem that was interesting in her in her research. She found a poem that Madame Renault called Madame Renault called uh, wrote called Locust Valley, and it was all about Locust Valley, you know, helping their town. And Kathy said, "We're going to have to put this on a big rock in a bronze plaque right right in the middle of the city of, of the town." and, and and her and Kay actually did that and sitting there today, and it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing for the history, for the, the civic pride of the town to know what they did, you know, 60 years ago. So anyway, very very serendipitous or divinely appointed, I don't know, but it's pretty neat how it happened. Well, I think, you know, when we're out there doing what we're supposed to do and there's so many facets of being an American, being in the military, and serving the military, it's always, you know, it's, it's not surprising to me, but it's always amazing to me when we go out and we do good things, how everything just seems to fall into place. And we are here today yep. with Tina Gonzalez, and we have uh, Doug Stebbleton, the documentary film producer of Mother of Normandy, motherofnormandy.com, and we are going to go to commercial break.
Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning. That's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Tina Gonzalez. And we'll be right back after these. Join Learning and Laughter with Louise every Wednesday at 9 Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on Toginet to discuss fun, fascinating, and educational topics. Each week, Louise will be talking with a variety of guests, ranging from authors, educators, parents, filmmakers, athletes, and entrepreneurs, just to name a few. You know, when it comes to learning, the sky is the limit. And so will the topics that are covered here on Learning and Laughter with Louise. Louise Sattler is a school psychologist who has worked within the fields of special education and bilingual education. She also owns a successful company, Signing Families that creates DVDs and special workshops to teach sign language and instructional products for people of all ages and needs. With new DVDs coming out soon, check her website for more information at signingfamilies.com. From time to time, Louise will be joined by her daughter, Natasha Sattler, who will give a college-age perspective to the show. So pour that morning cup of coffee and join us here on Toginet every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central. You never know who will show up for Learning and Laughter with Louise on toginet.com. Let's chat it up with Bloom Talk with Barb Scala on Toginet. Thursday afternoons at 3 Eastern, 2 Central. And find out how women are growing, blossoming, and blooming in their friendships and careers, health, and so much more. It's Bloom Talk with Barb Scala. Check out our website, bloomwithbarb.com. Whether you want to transplant your life or just do a little pruning, Bloom Talk will inspire you to cultivate the lifestyle you want to live. Join lifestyle coach and co-author of Sanity Savers, Barb Scala, each week on Bloom Talk and sprout your dreams. Grow your life. I hear a lot from women. I want meaning in my life. I want a fulfilling life. I want to do something that's exciting. and I can control my life instead of my life controlling me. I can tell the world this is who I am and, and this is what I'm all about. Barb will introduce you to dynamic guests and real women who are redesigning, rebuilding, building and reinventing their own lives and bloomstorm how you can dream create and grow the lifestyle you want to live it's bloom talk with barb scala thursday afternoons at three eastern two central on toginet.com put a boot in your ass it's the american way help sam put your name at the top of his list and a statue of liberty started shaking her fist welcome back to military mom talk radio on toginet.com Covering topics to help on the home front. With help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now, let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Tina Gonzalez and Sandra Beck. Courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Hey, we are here at Military Mom Talk Radio. I have my lovely co-host. Tina Gonzalez. Tina, you're having a bad day, honey. Yeah, it's been one of them days. <laughs> yeah, I woke so we're up not mine, gonna, We're though. not going to throw any questions over to you. We're just going to ask you to just sit there and have that bad day. Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So we are also here with Doug Stapleton. He is the documentary film producer behind Mother of Normandy which will be um, airing at the GI Film Festival, among some other places, which we're going to talk about in our third segment of where you can go to see this film and uh, perhaps having Doug come to your base or come to your location and uh, do his own little mini film festival for you guys. Um, Doug, when you were putting this film together, 
um, you know, I don't know much about documentary film production, and certainly not something with such a magnificent historical perspective as Mother of Normandy, which you guys can check it out at motherofnormandy.com, just like how it spells all one word. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the production aspect of the documentary, kind of like when did you start, how did you raise the money, you know, and then also can you tell us a little bit about dealing with, you know, you're dealing with letters, these are personal effects that belong to people, and then you've got rights issues with film footage. I mean, there's, you know, you talk about, you know, biting off a lot for one documentary. You, you kind of, you know, win the golden prize on this one. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. Um a good journey, though. Uh, I, I guess it started off as soon as I talked to Maurice, you know, about doing this, and uh, he came to San Francisco and we met, and and uh, you know, I told him if I'm going to do it and invest my time, I need to you know get the rights from him so nobody else can do it, and that was not a problem. He said, "I'm a businessman, I understand." So we took care of that, and and I mentioned, I said, "Well, who are the veterans that were the closest, you know, to, to your mom and dad?" And he mentioned four guys. He said they were close to. A lot of them, but the, there was four that really stuck out. They were Bill Tucker, uh, Bob Murphy, uh, Bob Piper, and uh, Don Lassen. And he said, out of those four guys, two of them have cancer. And he said, so you really need to move quick. So I got my cameraman, and we, we headed off to uh, the Daytona Beach and, and, and interviewed Bob Piper and, uh, and then up to Cape Cod to uh, get, uh, uh, I think it was Bill Tucker. And so... I just got on it as quick as I could and then um, just started interviewing people and went to Normandy and um, did some filming there and, and did, did reenactment scenes there of, of uh, made a, of, uh, a little cemetery that we used to shoot various scenes. And I, I went one, one uh, December just to St. Mary Greece during the winter and I just spent a week there scanning pictures from Henri Jean's family you know, album uh, of... Uh, of their whole, you know, from their father and mother back in the early days in the 20s and stuff. And um, so, yeah, just uh, doing everything I could as a documentary maker, you know, you need, you need, uh, pictures are very important to help tell the story, interviews, talking heads, reenactment footage, um, as you said, also licensing some other film footage. I licensed some footage from the, the movie The Longest Day, 20th Century Fox movie, which was all about, you know, the D-Day uh, invasion and had you know some big names in there like uh, um, John Wayne and Henry Fonda who actually played Teddy Roosevelt Jr. in the movie and, and that movie is very famous for the scene when Red Buttons who was an 82nd Airborne paratrooper jumped out of the plane and this parachute got caught on the church steeple and well that's the town that my film was about that Madame Renault and, and the mayor was the mayor of is St. Mary Greece and so that town became very famous because of that movie uh, it really from a global standpoint, everybody knew that that's the town where the guy got caught on the on the church steeple with his paratroop parachute. So, um, so yeah, there, there there was just a lot of things to do to get it done. And uh, from a financial standpoint, you know, in Hollywood, the number one rule is you know never use your own money, which which is a great rule. But um, for me, it's like I knew the veterans. You know, the, these World War II veterans, they're all in the, in the, in the, at the time when I was doing They're in their late 70s or early 80s, 80, 81, 82, 83. And it's like I couldn't really wait for someone to, to come up and give me the money. It was It's difficult to raise money. And um, so I just used my own money to get things going, to start doing the interviews and, and doing some traveling over there. And then eventually... Um, uh, I did get uh, a thing called the fiscal sponsorship that I found out about that I got to go underneath the uh, International Documentary Association 
501c3 umbrella so I could raise uh, make raise some money as donations through individuals or corporations and it would be tax deductible um, you know to, to the to the donator and um, so I, I raised some money that way and then uh, and, and then I got uh, uh, some friends in, in the last year to, to give me the last amount so I could finish the post-production. But it was a it was a five five year process. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> a five year well, process. Well, and how much? How much? You know, I'm not going to ask you how much you put in, but how much total has the documentary cost at this point? Just rough estimate. Well, rough estimate, probably a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's uh, amazing. I mean. For, for people to put this money into something that's so vital and so important, um, you know, it's, it's part of our living history. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, it is, and uh, it's it's a lot of money, but it's really not that much money when you think about the average, uh, you know, Hollywood film. This is not a, this is a documentary, but I think the uh, an average Hollywood film these these days is about eighty million dollars or something. Oh sure, but this is your dream. This is yeah, your yeah. you know. You don't have a big studio behind you. You don't have Eisner and Katzenberg and Spielberg and, right. you know, their connections. You're a guy from Montana who currently lives in Simi Valley. Yes. <laughs> that's I it. mean, yeah, I mean, seriously, but that's, that's uh, you know, that's something but that you know I what, want everybody to be. But you know what be... it is, too, is, is when you have something that is, is special and important, the people, I was really blessed with the people that came on board. Uh, they all caught the vision and they understood what the and they all could have got paid more money than they could have, but they, they all took less money because they wanted to work on the projects. They knew that it was an important project to get done. And, and so so would have cost me even more than the, over the, you know, the $200,000 range, but people realized that it was a special project. What do you think is the, you know, the most, uh, you know, what is something like, you know, once the documentary is done, it's out there, it's, it's doing its thing. I mean, what's the one thing that that you will always take away from this, like the, the, the most special aspect of what you're doing? Well, I think for me, um, it's been really an honor to get to know all the, all the, uh, the veterans. I had, know, had known some veterans before, but working on this project, I met so many of these guys and got to hear their stories and got to let them know that I appreciate them and to say thank you to them. Some of them have already passed away, um, you know, in the last five years since I've known some of them. So I think uh, in working on this project, it really has um, even um, made my, you know, my appreciation stronger for the veterans. It's always been strong, but, uh, you know, learning about the story and what these guys went through, and that's, I think, what I've taken away just to, to make my appreciation even stronger uh, for who they are. And, and all, 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 of, all the, uh, you know, the troops, it, it, World War II guys and Korean Vietnam all the way till today, you know. Well, and you really become you've become a voice of almost a whole generation. Because one of the things I was reading about you, you gave this great quote. You said, uh, "You know, they were the living legends of World War II." You were talking about um, the guys from the 82nd Airborne Division, the veterans yeah. Bob Murphy, Bill Tucker, Don Lassen, and Bob Piper. Yeah. And you were quoted as saying they had so many stories to tell about the D-Day invasion. Each one was different. Each one compelling. You know, but the one common thread among them was their love from uh, Madame Renaud and everything she did to preserve the memories of those soldiers that were killed. That's really, I mean, that's in essence motherhood. That's, you know, motherhood um, in a nutshell. And, you know, you, you, are, you are now creating a, a documentary living history of these living legends. Yep. Yeah, I guess so. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. I feel, like I said, really blessed to be, I guess, the one to help to tell her story. I couldn't believe it hadn't been told when I, you know, talked to Jean. I said, "So this hasn't been done in a film as a film yet." And he said, "No." So I, I figured, I guess, I was the guy to do it. So I made the commitment, and as I said, it took five years, but no regrets. <laughs> now, what's amazing too is you're doing a documentary on someone that died just ten years prior. She died in 1988. Is that correct? Yes, 88. Yep. And your documentary, you started production in, maybe my math is wrong. No, I started uh, back around 2005, uh, at the end of 2004, actually, uh, is when I first, uh, I learned about the story in, 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 in June of 2004 when I was over there. And then not long after that, a few months after that, I started to go and interview the guys. And, and then it was, uh, yeah, so it's actually been almost, well, this June, it'll be six years. I thought it was five and a half years, but yeah, this June. But I finished it a couple months ago, so I guess I got it done under six years. That's amazing. I mean, and you know, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the subject of your documentary because she's an amazing, um, she's an amazing woman beyond just the letters, beyond just some of the things. She had spent decades building this bridge of good relations between France and America um, but it wasn't just letters. It was photographs. It was poems. You know, can you talk a little bit about her poetry and where that appears in, in the United States? Well, um, she, she does have a... The interesting thing is, which, which you'll find out in the movie, is, uh, which is a neat piece of history, is uh, Madame Renault's father, his name was Paul Cornier, he was a servant of Edmund Rostand in the 1840s, 1840s, 1850s. As uh, a lot of people probably know, Edmund Rostand wrote the play Cyrano de, de, if I could say it, Cyrano de, Cyrano de Bergerac. Thank you. Out of voice. And, and so he, he wrote that. And, and so Madame Renaud, they were like a second family of sorts, as, uh, as the, the writer in the screenplay wrote. And, and so they kind of helped uh, uh, young Madame Renaud, young Simone Renaud, and, and with her education. And, uh, and, and Mrs. Rostand was a poet, and that's where she got her love of poetry from, Mrs. Rostand. And um, so she, she was known as an international poet, Madame Renaud was, and, and her book, uh, she had uh, at least one or two books uh, in, in French, published in French. I don't know if they were over... I think actually Maurice, her son, had republished one or two of her books in English, so her poems are available in English. I don't know the name of the, the books off off the top of my head, but I could always. You know. Okay, well, listen, I don't mean to cut you off, but we got to get back to. Um, we need to get to break, and um, sure. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about um, uh, Madame Renault when we get back. We're here at Military Mom Talk Radio with Tina Gonzalez, Sandra Beck, and we have Doug Stapleton of uh, www.motherofnormandy.com. Please check it out. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system, keeping the home fires burning? That's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Tina Gonzalez. And we'll be right back after these. Combine snide and remark and you've got snark. Combine Lisa Mena and Valia Alvarez on Monday nights and you've got deep dish snark. Monday nights at 9, 8 central, part of the Her Insight Network. When you've had enough at work or at home, 
and you're ready to laugh, join Lisa and Value for their no BS look at the world and the people in it. They'll be serving up a no-holds-barred take on pop culture, current events, entertainment, and family matters with segments like Accidentally Helpful, TV is Not My Hobby, and Who Sucks This Week? Deep Dish Snark delivers something for every girl who enjoys life with a dash of sarcasm. Lisa Manna is a former TV news anchor turned stay-at-home mom. She's making sure if anyone screws up her kids, it's her. Valya Alvarez suffers life as a jack-of-all-trades, mistress of none, by juggling a PR career, marriage, motherhood, and more. Don't miss Deep Dish Snark with Lisa Manna and Valya Alvarez, Monday nights at 9, 8 Central, part of the Her Insight Network, on Toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginat with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front. With help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now, let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Tina Gonzalez and Sandra Beck. Hey, Military Moms. This is Sandra Beck here, and we have my lovely co-host, Tina Gonzalez, who has how many kids? I don't even know, if Tina, if you can hear me. I can uh, hear you. You can hear. How many kids are in your house right now? Seven. Seven. <laughs> so um, I'm safe to say it's very hard to talk and concentrate on a radio show with seven children running around your house. Yeah, I'm, go- I kind of, I'm just kind of going back and forth with the mute button from room to room, and then the landscapers had to come on Monday when they don't come until Friday, but... Today's the day for them to come. It is. Well, we'll get it all down in one. But, you know, every show we do has to have something funny. You know, like I remember when we had Mike Hoffman on from the Department of Defense, and, you know, the poor guy was sitting in 80-degree direct sunshine, oh, you know, locked sauna. in his car. That's right. Yeah, right. I guess. They were, remember, they were, he, went, he was so busy in his office, he couldn't call from there. He couldn't get a secure location. So then he hopped in his car and drove to a field thinking, okay, I'll be nice and quiet and secure here to, do, to be the radio show guest. And, of course, you know, it was hot. He tried to put the air conditioning on. It made too much noise. So he opens the windows, and they started doing helicopter maneuvers in the field. So there's got to be something every show. Yes. Today is but my turn. Today is your turn. <laughs> my but turn you know with all the so kids. It's perfect because it is, you know, the day after Mother's Day, you know, the whole point of bringing on – you know, Doug Stapleton and his um, documentary, it is Mother of Normandy, and it's, you know, just been Mother's Day. This is our, you know, official Mother's Day show. So to bring on this amazing woman who for so many years cared for the remains 
and cared for the graves of these soldiers, I just think it's it's so perfect. And I think she, of anyone, you know, would appreciate you being there with seven kids in your house. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> so, um, Doug, let's go back to you. And yeah. um, if you can finish up telling me, um, we were talking about her photography, about her letters, her poems. You know, she's just such an amazing woman. Yeah, she, as I said, she did write some books on poems. Um, she, she was, she wrote tons of letters, uh, and um, she did make it to America, I think, a couple times uh, to visit uh, some friends uh, on the East Coast. I think she made it to Tucson, Arizona. And um, But she was all, all about, yeah, keeping the link between America and France alive, and, and her, her, you know, her mantra was to never forget, uh, to teach everybody in Normandy to never forget what, what happened, you know. Uh, the sacrifices of the uh, of the soldiers. It is. That is. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing. It's such a gift. Um, I can only imagine. You know, I hope I never face uh, the point that someone would have to tend to the grave of my children. But you know, it's definitely a sobering thought to think of. You know, how many people, uh, you know, got relief from from what she thought she would. You know, what she did. Well, when you think about it, this was 1944 and 45 and 46, so it, it was a different, you know, you couldn't just hop on a plane and fly over there, especially when the war was still on. And, you know, to go over there, if you take a boat, it's like, what, two weeks, 10 days to two weeks. So to have someone over there to be, you know, your hands and feet and to do that to your son or your husband's grave, I'm sure just meant a lot to these to these people. I mean, it did because I've read the letters and they all they all say the same thing, yeah. That 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 they appreciated what she, how much they wanted to be there themselves, but they couldn't be there, and to know that she was doing it, just gave them peace, you know, and comfort. Absolutely, you know, it's funny, um, Doug. The, I had to watch your documentary uh, film trailer like five or six times, you know, before I went to meet you in person, because I was like, gosh, I don't think I can, you know, I can't talk about this subject material, you know, without getting all weepy. Um, yeah. The, your website is amazing, and I, I really I encourage anybody listening today to go to his website. It's www.motherofnormandy.com. It's got beautiful music. It's got beautiful imagery. Um, there's some trailers. There's a three-minute and a six-minute on YouTube, so you can look them up on YouTube. You can just um, Google Mother of Normandy, and a lot of this stuff comes up. Um, so let me ask you, Doug, you know, you put together this, film, and um, there's there's a link to the American Legion that's beyond what, you know, originally was intended. Can you explain one of those, another serendipitous moment for your film? Um, well, I'm not sure which part you're talking about, but the American Legion, yeah, I know, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, it happens that, um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt Jr., who was a Brigadier General who, as I said earlier, you know, that... Um, who actually he won a Medal of Honor actually on Utah Beach posthumously, but he he died about five weeks after landing on the beach and was uh, was buried in, in in the cemetery in St. Mary Grace. Um and that's because of the, the photograph in Life magazine was for putting flowers over his grave. Well, it happens that um, a lot of people maybe don't know this, but uh, back after after World War One, Teddy Roosevelt was a, a seasoned veteran of World War One and. Uh, he and two other gentlemen are the ones that started the American Legion. And so uh, it happens that, and then it happened that uh, uh, Jeffrey Stouffer, 
who is uh, the, the, the managing editor of the mag- American Legion magazine, I had sent him a, um, uh, uh, some information and the, you know, the DVD trailer and was hoping that he'd write a story about, about the film in, in, in the book. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in the magazine, the American Legion magazine. And I got him on the phone and it, and it happened uh, also that we talked and, and it happened that he used to live in Montana uh, and, and, and me being from Montana. So we had that connection and then he was intrigued by the story and, and decided to do an article and, and then the, the Legion actually decided to send him over to Normandy for the, uh, the anniversary about four years ago, in 2006, yeah, four years ago. Uh, so there's this, yeah, this neat, um, this neat connection with the American Legion and, and Teddy Roosevelt Jr. and Jeff, who not only wrote the, the, uh, the story, uh, a story in the magazine, but I, we're trying to figure out who to write the screenplay, the script for the, for the film. And after reading Jeff's story, we said, this guy's a great writer. Let's just hire him. So we ended up writing... Uh, hiring Jeff to write the, the script for the film, and he did an excellent job. And then also we decided to do a coffee table book on Mother Normandy, and I hired Jeff to write that also. So this guy is a great writer. I think he's got a bright future in uh, writing for documentary films and uh, and books. That's uh, you know it's 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 just amazing how many you know how many things this is has spawned just from you know who would think in two thousand two thousand four was it when you first came on to this yeah. idea. Yep. Did you ever think in a million years you'd be where you are today? No, I, I didn't really know. I just knew I had to do it, and wherever it took me, it took me. So I, I, I just, yeah, but it's been, like I said, the journey has been great. All the people I've met and, and uh, the stories and places I've gotten to go because of it, uh, I wouldn't change a thing, even though it's taken longer. It, 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 I think it's the timing is right that it's getting done now rather than maybe two years ago or something. I don't know, but it just all seems to, it's all seeming has seemed to work out really good. Well, and the people you've met along the way, I mean, it's just, it's got to be just one amazing, you know, it's just got to be one amazing adventure. And it's just actually, you, you, you're just beginning, you know, the second phase of this. I mean, the, the production is done. But, yeah. But yeah. now we start on with film festivals, and you have not only a film festival coming up, let's talk about the film festival first, then we'll talk about what's going to go on in France in June. Great. Well, the film festival, the first one that I entered it in, which was, I thought, just perfect for it, was the GI Film Festival, which is all about honoring the veterans, the troops. So I sent it to them, and it was actually a work in progress. It was still wasn't totally finished, but they, they, saw, the, they saw where it was going, and they, they accepted it, and, and since then it's been finished, and now they have you know, the, the final version. So that's going to be, um, the, the GI Film Festival is in Washington, D.C. at the Carnegie Institution, uh, May 12th through the 16th. And Mother Normandy screens on uh, Saturday the 15th at 2 p.m. at the Carnegie Institution. And I will be there. I'm actually leaving Wednesday to go there, and I'll be there to, to uh, see it on the big screen. And also Jeff Stouffer, the guy that I just talked about, the writer, he's going to fly in from Indiana. And um, so that's going to be kind of neat, and we'll see how that goes. And then after that, uh, I've entered it in the last week into about 10 other film festivals, but it takes you know a, a month to two months for them to actually respond to, to let you know if you've been accepted or not. So I'll know more about that um, in the next month or two, but I am entering it in some other festivals. And then the next screening will be, uh, which I think is very appropriate, it's going to be in St. Maryglise, the town that it's about, where Madame Renaud and the mayor were from. And it's going uh, it's going to be screened on D-Day, which would be this, the June 6th, uh, in St. Mary Glees, uh at 8 p.m. 
that night, and we're going to have it open for free to the public and uh, the tourists and whoever wants to see it. So, and also Leslie Carone, who is the voice of Madame Murnau in the film, will be coming from Paris, is what, where she lives, and she will be the guest of honor for the day and night uh, for the premiere. So, kind now, of let, give stuff. me a little history about her. We haven't touched on her. Um, she's the voice in your documentary. Um, yes. Now, I've heard of her, but I bet a lot of our, our listeners haven't. Well, Leslie Crone is a, is a, a French actress, but her, her mother was an American, her father was French, but she was found, she was a ballerina, and Gene Kelly found, uh, found her when he was in Paris for something, and when he decided to do the movie An American in Paris, I believe that's the name of it, he chose Leslie to be the, uh, his co-star, and, 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 and that was a big hit, and from there on she went, to do, went on to do Gigi and, um, gosh, uh, some movies with Fred Astaire, uh, Father Goose with Cary Grant, and... She was in Chocolat about ten years ago with Johnny Depp, and she's just she's a great actress, and she's been uh, doing it since I guess the the fifties, sometime in the early fifties when she started. That's amazing. I mean, to have such a, a talented and amazing woman, how did she get involved in the project? Well, Kathy Soroff, my friend from um, you know from uh, Locust Valley, uh, said we should get her to be the voice; she'd be perfect, and. I said, that'd be great, but I don't know her. So she said, well, I know that she has a bed and breakfast outside of Paris. So she, she went, she, after the Cannes Film Festival uh, two or three years ago, she dropped off a Mother Normandy packet and left it with Leslie at her place. And she was not there, but uh, I guess about three or four months later, she responded to her via email and said, um, I want to do this project. It's very close to home, and uh, I must do it. And, and so um, that's how she got involved. And when I met with her in Paris for dinner... I asked her, I said, Leslie, I really appreciate you doing this project. I said, this is a small project, and you're an Academy Award-nominated actress and stuff. Why did you do it? And she said, well, you know, I was a teenager uh, during the occupation and I, in Paris and also in the south of France where we lived. And she said, I remember the Germans, you know, marching through our town and smelling the fish oil on their boots. And, and she said, so when I knew what Madame Renault did... Um, for the GIs, she said, I, I understood because I remember seeing the GIs coming off the, uh, the beaches in the south of France liberating us. So she said, I had to do this film. That so is that so happened. amazing. That is so amazing. We are here with documentary film producer Doug Stebbleton, Mother of Normandy. Check it out. Find it on Google. We are off the air, and have a great week. Thank you.